everybody. Dan Urban here along with Scott Fontana and we're the Couchside Judges. Finally, we are back after a three-week hiatus, but I've got a good excuse, which we'll get to in a minute. With UFC 249 and the rest of the major MMA calendar postponed, the Couchside Judges are doubling down on one of our favorite segments. Actually, we're tripling down with three installments of Past Judgment, all built around one of my all-time favorite fighters, BJ Penn. We're going to look back on the first three setbacks of his UFC career and score them using our CSJ system. Dan and I will also share our earliest impressions of the UFC Hall of Famer as we determine whether the prodigy really deserved his 2002 loss to Jens Pulver, his draw to Kaluno a year later, or his first loss to George St. Pierre in 2006. But before we get to that, Dan, I think we owe the listeners an explanation for our absence. Tell them what's been going on. Well, Scott, I actually caught the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time we recorded, like March 17th, I believe it was, I was coughing a little bit, but I didn't have a temperature or a fever, so I figured, eh, whatever, just a little cough. And then a few days later, around that Thursday, like March 20th, I think, I checked my temperature before I went to bed, and it was 100, got a little nervous, ended up getting tested, and, and just getting worse. The, the fever didn't go away for a few days, so I ended up getting tested for the coronavirus and came back positive had a where'd you go uh urgent care in my town okay they tested me it took about five days to get the results they told me i was positive so from my first fever like march 20th i had a fever for about 11 days and it finally went away and i started to feel you know myself again and uh, right now i actually feel good i i was retested but i have not got the results yet now how, how high did your temperature get it uh progressively kind of got worse it started at 100 uh sometimes it would go down to 99 after some uh tylenol the highest it got to was 103 which was like six days in or seven days in and it kind of stuck around there but once it hit its peak it kind of felt like every day it just got lower and lower until i was back to normal so what the heck were you up to during this time you couldn't really do much of anything so what what were you doing dude i didn't want to do anything but lay in bed and go to sleep I didn't want to eat. I didn't even want to watch TV, and I love TV. Yes, you do. Uh, I didn't want to watch fights. I didn't want to do anything. I was just like, this thing's got to go away. I, I've had enough of this, and, and that's really it. And I, the only thing I wanted was I wanted to drink. I was really thirsty the whole time. But other than that, I didn't want to do anything. Now, did you experience any of the other symptoms that some people experienced about, like loss of sense of smell and taste and things like this? Uh, so everything tasted like eggs to me eggs interesting it was it was strange. was that good or bad i mean it was i mean i guess it's better than some things <laughs> i mean when you, you know you're eating a piece of pizza and it tastes like eggs to you you're like oh, it's kind of whatever and you, you just don't have an appetite hopefully it come, hopefully the text comes back negative and i can resume a normal life i guess i hope so i hope so are you dealing with anything else right now are there any other kind of after effects they when i when i did my retest they i had a, a chest cat scan and just to check, and they're like, yeah, you got pneumonia. I'm like, what? How do I get pneumonia? But appa- <laughs> apparently, that's like a, a, a side effect of this disease. That does make sense. So, but I mean, I do feel normal right now. The reason we didn't record really I, is mainly because the one symptom was a skull-crushing headache. Oof. And I was like, I, I'm not going to be able to stare at a computer screen and, you know, and mix uh, the podcast after this. Sure. Uh, so, I mean, I think the three-week hiatus is good. I'm glad we're back. Let's move on. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I was certainly checking in on you just to make sure everything was fine. I was certainly concerned about you uh, not knowing what the heck was going on with this whole thing. But I was relieved to hear when you were starting on to be on the mend. Uh, that was really great to hear. And now, like you said, we can start moving forward. How, how do you feel about that? Are you ready to move forward? I'm ready to let's just go. Enough coronavirus talk for now. Let's jump into past judgment, starting with pen polar one. Before we begin, Dan's going to remind you all how the Couchside Judges scoring system works compared to the ABC's 10-point must system. It's right. not a whole lot different, really. Just a few key changes. We dropped aggressiveness and area control as tiebreakers when effective striking and grappling are even. This allows for more frequent 10-10 rounds. A 10-9 round for us is one in which a fighter had a slight but noticeable advantage. A 10-8 is for a round clearly and easily won by one of the fighters. And a 10-7 is for a dominant round that you might think of as a 10-8 round by the current ABC standards. All this allows for more diverse round scores without blowing up the entire 10-point must system. All right, Scott, give us a little background on BJ and Lil Evil before we get to the action. We're going all the way back to January 11th, 2002, Dan. UFC 35 at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. This was the very first lightweight main event in UFC history between Penn and Pulver. Pat Militich, who was training Pulver at the time, told Sheardog in 2008 that many at the event had flu-like symptoms. Sound familiar? Wow. The fighters, trainers, and production staff are all suffering from kind of the same thing going on here. And the event went on as scheduled. Even in the early years with Dana White in charge, that was the goal. Get the fight in. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work this time, but they, they sure got it in 18 years ago. But back to the fight. Penn had won his first three pro fights at this point. So he's only 3-0, all in the octagon, inside of a round, all by KO or TKO, and was coming off an 11-second KO of Kaluna. Pulver had just won the title a year before, two and a half months before Penn turned pro. So he just defended the title against Dennis Hallman, and he was considered the top 155-pounder in the world at this point. Takanori Gomi, of course, had a case fighting over in Shuto before his pride days. Judges for the evening were Doug Crosby, Jeff Mullen, and Tony Mullinax. And uh, just for the record here, too, round scores, individual round scores were unavailable for this, so we only know the judges' final tally, so it's not something we can really discuss round by round but we'll know at the end and we'll let you guys know what they thought at that point the referee as well for this one was john mccarthy round one taking through it dan yeah this was a, a close round yeah very close starts out early bj penn gets a quick takedown you're like oh yeah you know you, you thought the militage system you know with matt hughes being there you know they're pretty good wrestlers but bj uh was able to take jens down early mm -hmm. yeah he's landing some little pitter patter shots on the ground too yeah, and Jen was actually throwing, like, forearm smashes you'd see on WWF. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was actually kind of funny. Eventually, they they get up and scramble, and BJ locks in a guillotine. Yeah, it was like an arm in. Arm in and standing. He jumped guard, but Jen's didn't go down. He stood up tall, was able to, you know, secure his neck, and then he slams BJ down. Yes. But this problem throughout this entire fight was Pulver would get on top and really not do much. That's true, yes. Even though he's on top and BJ's only hitting him with pitter-patter shots, how do you score that? Well, he's also sitting in BJ's guard, so it's not like he's sitting on top and actually advancing. Right, yeah, which... he, he didn't try to pass. 
in this era of MMA, everybody was like, well, if they're on top, they're winning. But, uh, you know, as we came to understand, no, that's really not the case. So Right. And, you know, Big John ended up standing him up. And then BJ landed. Which you him. hate. I hate the stand-ups, but yeah, sometimes they're necessary. I, I guess I'm coming around a little bit. When they got back on the feet, BJ hit some combos, some solid knees, and then for some reason clinched and pulled guard almost into an armbar, but I don't understand the strategy there. Pulver, again, really did minimal from the top. BJ was landing some pitter-patter shots from the bottom, and I felt BJ won the round 10-9. Yeah, overall, there just wasn't a ton of offense really in this round. You had the guillotine attempt that wasn't, you know, it wasn't a strong attempt, but it was an attempt. And then really, when you look at these significant strikes, Penn only had the edge 4-2. to two. That's significant strikes, not not total strikes. Total, total strikes was 41 to 22, but it tells you what the statisticians thought of the significance of the strikes that Penn was throwing. And those strikes that he landed were probably from that, you know, towards the end of the round when he landed that combo and, and a couple knees. Yes. I ended up going with uh, BJ here, 10-9. I almost really could have understood a 10-10, but the sub attempt from Penn ended up pushing it that way. So he got the slight but noticeable advantage. Okay. What about you? Yeah, 10-9 pen. Okay. Yeah, round two. Total dominant round for me uh, in my okay. eyes. Yeah. BJ, you know, he landed some good combos. I mean, Pulver hit a head kick, but BJ got it to the ground. Yeah, good takedowns. And was able to mount. And he got some good shots there, too. Yeah, once he once he got the mount, he was landing some pretty big bombs. It looked like Pulver hadn't really trained a mount and escape as he was doing that throw my legs up and hope to catch him. Thing. God, I hope that's not the case. I can't imagine Militich wouldn't even I mean, drill that with him. I don't know. It's 2002. It was, it was a different time. It's true. It's a different time. But... Pretty much, uh, Pulver scrambles on BJ's first armbar attempt, but BJ stays on top and remounts real quick. Ten seconds left. BJ attacks the arm, extends it. The bell goes off. End of the round, and Pulver taps. I'm like, so he's saved by the bell. I didn't notice the tap necessarily. It's a clear 10-7. In my eyes. So because he was saved by the bell, you even hear, I don't know if it was, I think, Reagan Penn or BJ yelling, he tapped. If you watch uh, the one version of the fight on Fight Pass where the commentary is muted and you can hear the corners and everything. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not going to necessarily go by what one of BJ's cornermen is saying. <laughs> right, but he does they're tap. They're a little biased. He does tap, though. I didn't notice the tap. I'm not, I'm not going to say it wasn't there, but when I was watching it, I, I actually didn't observe the tap just as you did. It's a single um, tap. But, but when he goes for that armbar, you know, he had his he had the cage at his back, BJ did. So it was kind of a, a tough set there. I'm not saying he couldn't have finished it, but because one, I didn't see the tap, and two, it looked like he might have had a tougher time because of the cage there. Right, but I he did didn't extend go all the way. Sure, no, he under... he extended it for sure. But what I ended up, I mean, we see an extended arm bars that people get out of. So I don't, I don't necessarily want to say it was over. It was a wrap because of that. So I did go ten eight BJ in this one. I didn't go the ten seven like you did. I okay. can, I can kind of understand it because you saw what you saw. I didn't see that, so this is why I ended up with my ten eight. Okay, but yeah, obviously at this point. Paul was not finding a whole lot of success in this fight, and, and he's really in need of some sort of turnaround. I have it 20 to 17, BJ, and I think yeah. you have what, 20 to 16? And I have it 20 to 16. Yeah, so this is, at this point, Pulver's really got to turn things around. And round three, he actually does start turning things around. Yes, he does. It was right after BJ got a takedown, but then Pulver reversed it. Right. Yeah, so BJ, he grabbed the single. You know, Pul- Pulver de- defended it really well, but BJ decided to pull the guard. Yes. I guess because he didn't want to waste waste any energy 
and just decided, let's keep it on the ground. I'll pull half guard. That's pretty on brand for BJ. I mean, that happened twice, actually, in this round, where BJ shoots a single, unable to get it, and ends up on his back. Yeah. Pulver actually started throwing some punches from the top. Uh, you can hear Militich in the corner telling him, don't waste your energy on strikes that aren't there. And it's like, this dude's got to get a little busy, though, man. You know, if he wants to, you know, win some rounds. But, you know, after after they got that, BJ got that other takedown, went down the second time, and Pulver ended up on top. He starts really unloading with the, with the half guard there. I think that's probably what you're talking about. But when he's hitting him, he's definitely landing to the back of the head. And there's no warnings for this. Wait, that, you know what? That's a strange thing because BJ got gets warned. I, I don't know which round he gets warned in, but he gets warned for the heel kicks to the kidneys, which are now legal. But you were, right. but you were allowed to strike to the back of the head. Bit, yeah. I, I don't know. Were you allowed to strike to the back of the head in 2002? No, 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 no. no. That was, And the thing that with those strikes is not just that he was landing them, and he wasn't being penalized. But when you're landing those strikes, the penalty comes from the fact that you're deliberately landing there. And it's not just a situation where maybe someone's moving their head around and you could end up accidentally hitting the back of the head because the head is moving so much. That does happen. That's incidental. And typically you won't see much of a warning for that. <laughs> but Pulver's really just hitting him in the back of the head. <laughs> yeah. Like just, just that's where it's hitting. And I, I thought that was strange. Usually, because Big John, he was he was on them about everything. This fight, he, yeah, he threw warnings out left and right. I don't know if I've ever seen him throw that many warnings out. Mm. Now, I, I should be clear. I, you know, I gave the round to Pulver. I just didn't think it was a great round for him. He he gets it though. Yeah, I didn't I, go quite the ten eight. I just thought the edge was slighter, so I went ten nine for Pulver. No, yeah, I didn't, it was a, definitely a, a ten nine in my uh, a book, and mm-hmm. I now have it twenty nine twenty six pen. And I have a 28-26. So I've only got Penn up two points, whereas you've got him up three. Right. Now we're going into the championship rounds, though. What, what What's going on in round four? Much better round for Jens Pulver here. Probably yeah. probably his best round of the entire fight. I, I would agree completely. This is where BJ shoots, is about to get a takedown, and Pulver just outmuscles him and lands on top of him. Yeah. You know, to start to start the round. Right into Mount. Was it Mount? It was Mount, but... but BJ quickly got it back to half guard. Okay. It, it was mount, but it did not okay. last very long. It was it was enough, uh, at least from my perspective, I would score that as he he achieved mount. Okay. So, I mean, he, he actually started doing a lot of ground and pound here. Most active he's been the entire fight. But BJ was able to scramble and land a double leg. Yes. Out of that. But also, Pulver ended up on top of that one. Well, you know, yeah, because BJ got so aggressive trying to get to the back, he ended up on the bottom. True, true enough, but uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. He still got and, there, and he got there, and but he didn't do anything. Pulver no. didn't really do it, and Big John stood him up again. Yeah, that's true. Final minute was all stand up, yeah. Final minute was all stand up, but no one did anything. I think Penn yes. landed a few combos, but it was definitely a clear round for Jens. Ten uh, eight. Yeah, yeah, that's ten eight, absolutely. So at this point, I have it tied, but you have BJ up by one point. Is that right? I have BJ thirty-seven, thirty-six. Yeah, so I got thirty-six, thirty-six. So we got some drama here. This is it's it's not the most amazing fight, but it's it's a tense fight. There's there's actually some ebb and flow to this. It was a cool fight. Yeah, it was it sense. was definitely an interesting fight to watch. You know, mm-hmm. we weren't bored watching. So let's take us into round five. Then what what happens? This is this is obviously deciding round. Round five is the most is is the round that's going to decide this and. This is the only round where they don't grapple. Yeah. This is an all-striking affair. It was pretty even most of the way until late in the fight, Jens lands the most effective combo of the entire fight. Yeah, about 45 seconds left. And, you know, Penn kind of stumbles, lands a low blow, 
And then for the last 40 seconds, BJ's a little over-aggressive, and it kind of even exchanges for the rest of it. But I had to say Pulver edged that round 10-9. Yeah, I ended up giving it 10-9 as well. Penn actually outlanded on significant strikes in the round, though, 20-16. to 16, But I, I really thought that Pulver was much more impactful, with especially that one uh, in the final minute. But also, about the midway point, Pulver landed a nice left, too, that really stood out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like that, they weren't enough to say that he was definitely the you know clearly winning this round here but it was enough of a noticeable advantage that i had to say pulver as well at 10 9 and for me that gave pulver the fight at 46 45 okay so i ended up with a 46 46 draw right i oh i was tinkering with a 10 10 but that combo in the last minute that pulver landed uh put him over the edge for me absolutely yeah i think to discount that would have been a, a travesty so right. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you even even with your love of bj was able to see that that was truly the case but uh, i mean good fight this really was a good fight yeah it was that was it was just a fun fight bj was really he was cruising but then he let off the gas in round 3 i thought that was the real problem for him and it was it was a problem that obviously manifested a lot throughout his career. This is almost like foreshadowing. You know, yeah, it seemed like he didn't want, like, I don't know why he didn't grapple round five. Mm-hmm. And Jens, credit to him, he he really picked it up after some early struggles. Yeah, he started slow. Mm-hmm. Now, for the actual judges on that night, we had some weird scores here. Crosby had Pulver winning 48-45, which I don't, I don't know how he got there. Yeah, that's weird. Because that would imply that BJ probably lost two rounds, 10-8. I don't see that at all. I don't know what Doug Crosby's uh, not even, watching. I don't even see that in, in our scoring, which is much more liberal with 10-8s. And back then, right. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Mullinex gave 48-47 to Pulver, which, okay, that's that's basically what I had as well. I I had three rounds to two. Um, so if you're going to go by that, that's, that's the score that makes sense to me. Jeff Mullen had it at 47-47, a draw. I don't know about that. I guess I guess if he had what round was his ten eight? Well, we don't know. See, the yeah. they don't have individual round scores uh, available to us. Yeah. I'm going to assume that what he did was he gave three rounds to Jens Pulver, mm-hmm. and the last three rounds, and that he gave BJ a ten eight in round two. Yeah, that that probably makes the most. That's sense. that would get you that score. And if he saw it the same way as you, then that's what you would have scored it too given right. the scoring at the time. So I can see how you would score it that way. I ended up the other way. I don't know what Doug Crosby saw. 48-45 for Jens. That's a that's a strange one. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Well, that's enough for our first fight. But before we get to the next one, Dan, I, I really just think it would be interesting for you to talk a little bit about why you are such a big BJ Penn fan. Tell us. Well, you know, BJ is probably the first fight uh, I've ever seen. It wasn't live. I was at a friend's house and on the TV, I guess UFC Unleashed or, or whatever those past shows were on in it. Yeah, UFC Unleashed. And it had BJ Penn versus Kaluna 1. Okay, so you didn't watch it live. You watched it. What, what year is this? It was what, a rerun, probably 2007, maybe. Okay, okay. So, yeah, about what? Five, six years after it happened. Gotcha. Yeah, and so I you know, I see Caluno sprint across the cage with a flying kick. BJ shakes it off and knocks him out in eleven seconds. And I was like, Wow, yeah. this, this guy is awesome. And then he runs out of the ring. He's just like, Yeah, uh, no interview here, I'm going. See ya. He was a wild man. He he's a psychopath and I love it. <laughs> wow. He's he's shown that a little bit 
more often lately too unfortunately <laughs> but yeah i mean what else what else kind of really drew you to him or did you really get into his season on uh tough or anything so yeah like that? so i really enjoyed that season of, of tough i think tough five it was him See, and pole versus yeah, the coaches five. that's right it was for their rematch yes and it drove it drove home how much i was like this guy is awesome when they do the draft Dana's like, oh, we're going to flip a coin. You get to pick the fighter. You get the first fighter. And then BJ's just like, you know what? Anybody that wants to be on Team Penn, just raise your hand right now. And like 12 of the 16 guys raised their hand. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be an awesome season. <laughs> what I really liked about BJ, he was he didn't care about weight classes. Uh, he was very anti-steroids. And he, he wanted to you know prove that martial arts was above it. Felt that was very honorable. Uh, I mean, he fought Lyoto Machida like, with a 35 pound weight advantage it was an open weight fight yeah they they fought in uh in, in japan i believe lyoto came in at about 220 or so and bj was he was a balloon at 191 pounds yeah. <laughs> he looked like he looked like a balloon but but yeah credit to him for taking on somebody who ended up winning the light heavyweight championship while he was the lightweight champion <laughs> yeah and you know what and then he went on you know one of the best lightweight runs and you know, I don't even know if anyone has went on a run like like his since. Mm, I, th- I think we're probably starting to see that now with with Khabib. Yeah, Khabib's like the next guy that's gonna be doing a run like this. It, you know, he beat Pulver, he beat Joe Stevenson, Sean Shirk, Kenny Florian, and Diego Sanchez. He finished them all. Animal licking blood off his gloves. <laughs> that was insane. Awesome. All right, moving on, Scott. Set the stage for Pen Uno 2, please. Yeah, so our second past judgment segment here, we got UFC 41 on February 28, 2003. Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City. Rico Rodriguez and Tim Sylvia were actually the headliners for this one in a heavyweight title fight. Those are some names you just don't hear anymore. Uh, but, so this is the final of a four-man tournament to crown the new lightweight champion. And Pulver had left the UFC over a contract dispute, so he vacated the title. So this was what the tournament was uh, was from. The tournament began with semifinals the previous September, where BJ had beat Matt Serra and Uno topped Dean Thomas, both of them by decision. So Gomi at this point was actually considered the number one at lightweight. He's still fighting at Shudo. So this was kind of a number one B title fights, depending on where you really thought BJ was at this point. Pulver actually had just been knocked out a month before this fight by Dwayne Bang Ludwig. So even Bang had an argument for being the number one fighter in the world at that lightweight. This was the fractured state of MMA in the early 2000s. Um, but but Penn and Uno were right behind Gomi at this point in the ranking. So, you know, we're, we're still, we're talking about high level elite lightweight fighters. The judges, Doug Crosby back again, Tony Mullinax back again, and Steve Wright, the third judge. And again, no known round scores, so we're just talking final tallies. Um, And the referee, once again, Big John McCarthy. Round one, kick it off, Dan. Round one, you know, BJ's known for having great takedown defense, except in this fight, not so much. You know, Uno came out, able to. he tripped him really quick, got on top for a while, and, you know, clinched him against the cage. It was only brief, though. Yes, it, it wasn't a very effective takedown to me. Yeah, and BJ lands a big double. He's able to mount, takes the back. Very quickly takes the back. Looking for chokes, throwing a few strikes, not not that many, but... And he's not really getting any chokes here. He's just kind of fishing for it. Yeah. You know, Uno scrambles, gets back to the feet. Uno's so loose on the feet, too. He, he just moves around like he's totally cozy up there. Yeah, they he seemed like seemed like the better striker. 
Yes, I, I think so. But but Penn Penn was pretty relaxed too. I don't think he was stiff. He wasn't as confident in his striking as you'd see a few years later. He was too relaxed at some points. Probably. <laughs> again, typical BJ. <laughs> so after they get back to the feed, BJ, you know, double legs him again, straight to side control. Yep. yep. But he didn't strike that much. He just kind of went, just got held there, and Uno was striking Uno was pretty active from the bottom. From the back. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. BJ was landing. It, it just wasn't to the same degree. But yeah, then then Pent ends up taking the back again with 40 seconds left, right? Yeah, he gets the back. He's landing those hard punches and heel strikes to Uno's, Uno's gut there. I don't know. Where did, where did you see this fight? I'm curious where you go first, and I'll tell you what I thought. I went 10-8, Pen. You get the back that many times. Yes, absolutely. It's a clear winner. Yep, 10-8. Excellent grappling, and the hard shots from the back I thought were good when he had the back. Uno was not shut out here. He was putting up a fight, even if it's you know 10-8, which our scoring 10-8 isn't a, isn't you know a blowout round. It's just a clear round. Still, I liked what I was seeing from Uno. A lot, he lasted a lot longer than 11 seconds like he did the first time. You know, he came out crazy. That's why in the first Yeah, fight. he did. He was a little more composed. Round two. BJ opens up with a right hand, shoots for a double, but he's not able to get it. Uno, Uno uh, is able to reverse the clinch, uh, keep him on the cage for a little bit. Yeah, and he's he's picking net pen from distance with kicks, too, in this round, uh, early on. Yeah. And, and that, I think, was starting to establish his range a lot better with the striking. Yeah, BJ didn't have a li- any offense, really, for a little bit of this fight. He just was eating leg kicks for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then Uno gets a takedown into half. Yeah, that again, he, these are like lateral drop trip takedowns. He's He's got those judo takedowns. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was weird knowing how good BJ's takedown defense is and then but seeing this early in his career how you know easily he was taken down eh, you know he was still very new to mma at this point right. i think he'd only been pro like three years right it was just it was just a, a bit shocking to see him get uh taken down that that often sure i understand with hindsight of course knowing what we know about bj but mm-hmm. you know bj does get up pretty quickly he's taken down again mm-hmm. but there's good ground uh ground and pound work from uno on the top here he had a good round. This is a good round for him. It is. It is. But I did think BJ finished well. He had he had a good exchange there at the end. He but did. But still yeah. good round for Uno, right? Yeah, he, he, had, he had a good strong punch right at the end of the round. It was not a dominant uh, or a 10-8 in my book. I gave it a 10-9 no. Uno. Same here. Same here. This is too, totally a 10-9. Uh, it, it was a good round for him. You know, I, I think good for his momentum. But it just wasn't the most convincing round. Right. So round three. Again, not much offense when they, when these rounds start. Yeah. More leg kicks. Uno's working yeah. leg kicks a lot. Yeah. yeah. He comes out with the leg kicks, but, but nothing really else. Still not much action. I think BJ landed like a, a nice, decent combo, but then he gets tripped again. Yes. Slams gets another in, right in the half guard again. It was, You know, it was a strange. It was like BJ had this weird, he was in side control, but had this weird rubber guard pretzel thing going on. Yeah, that, but but ultimately he just ended up in half. It right. was, was kind of like he settled yeah. for that. It was it was like, dude, your body's got to be so uncomfortable right now. I think he could take it though. I mean, the man was pretty flexible. Yeah, he always was. I know it was just such a weird guard to see. <laughs> Not especially in MMA. It's like, he had a close. Yeah. He had a close guard with one leg and one arm. That's what it was. <laughs> hey, the man was a world champion. Don't question. Him. It prevented Uno from landing any decent punches. And yeah, the, the punches were very feet. late. Yeah. And then BJ gets the takedown and almost takes the back, but he falls off. Uh, you know, he gets so aggressive with his back takes that yes. he, he ends up on the bottom. So, yeah, Uno gets out, and then he's postured up, actually, on, on top as the round's ending, right? BJ had some subs, though. 
sub attempt possible subs we, you know uh, i don't, I don't I, know I, 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 they were enough that i could give it to him though. i'm not giving him a sub attempt i'm i'm just saying he looked like he was attacking or right, working but, for but, something but we don't count aggression that's true yeah but, in, uh, in but our I'm, scoring I'm not, I, I'm not counting i'm just saying bj was active sure sure i mean it was not a bad round for him it just wasn't a good round for him in my opinion it was a really close round yeah i ended up seeing that for uno uh, at 10-9. I did the same, 10-9 Uno. So I had 28-28. As did I. Round four. Now we're in the championship rounds here. Again, uh, Uno starts with the leg kicks. But Penn lands a big left hook and then a straight right. Gets a big double unders and just lands an outside trip. And this is like, I, I think this was the turning point of the fight. Yeah. He gets the back right. Yeah, Uno's cut. Right over the left eye, yeah. Penn gets you know, back control. He's landed some punches. Heel strikes. The heel, this is probably where I was talking about Big John. I think he was getting – this is where I think BJ was getting yelled at with the heel strikes. I think you're right. I, I, I recall that as well. Didn't really stop him from doing it. Oh, no. He, he, he's done it his whole career. It's awesome. Yeah. But Uno then spins into the guard Which was, from, you know, from I didn't, there. I didn't think he was going to be able to spin into his guard. He, you know, BJ actually had the, the body triangle. I was like, he's going to be able to spin in? You, know, you don't see that very often. This fight was eye-opening because – and I'll mention it again in round five. But he does the same thing in round five. He's got the body triangle and – Uno just spins out of it. it. I don't think BJ has a very good body triangle. <laughs> yes. Maybe. Or maybe Uno just has this this weird tiny abdomen, which he kind of seems to have, and he's just able to do it. I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's made to get out of this. It's possible. Uno should probably just run some seminars for guys how to get out of the body triangle. Cause he, 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 just... sh- he should. He can make a killing. Yeah. When, but... we, when we're allowed to not social distance. <laughs> but, yes, but, any, but at any rate, Penn is able to stand back up out of this. Yeah, BJ gets right back up. He tries to get the back again towards the end of the round. Well, he had a great takedown into side control, yeah. Uh, he tried to get the back. Uno scrambled. BJ knew you know, it was a lost cause. He, re- he immediately retreats, and he gets back he on did. his feet. Yeah, smart decision. You know, he, he landed some good punches to end the round. Then he ended with a big double leg and an elbow right at the yes. belt. Yeah, yeah. That, I thought that was a good round for Penn overall to definitely take back the lead from what we had as a draw. So I gave it a 10-8. I also have it as a 10-8 for Penn. So then we are at 38-36. Correct. Round five. What's going on in the final round, Dan? Uno comes out and he starts grappling right away. But BJ defends. We finally see some of that classic BJ takedown defense where he's hopping around on one leg and throwing uppercuts. Uno just pushes him against the fence. You know, I felt like Uno wanted to keep him against the fence kind of a lot in this fight. He did. There, There was a distinct feeling that he was trying to clinch up as much as he could which I, I don't really know why he was so fearful of maybe being a distance from bj because i i thought he was looking okay with his strikes you know he was landing good leg kicks and he was able to keep distance pretty well but then he would clinch up like i guess he was really he felt confident in his ability to get those trip takedowns we were talking about right. those lateral drops um but yeah. but uno's nose is also leaking here well you know what bj i think he finally got comfortable with, with the stand up here because he was he was countering really well mm-hmm but then again, BJ tried to get tried to take him down, uh, but Uno defended and Uno put him against the cage again. They finally break and and BJ smashes him with a big right and then lands a double. Yeah, yeah, that nice double with two minutes left. Quickly gets the back and a body triangle. Uh, but Uno still is able to turn around. Yeah, he just turns right back into guard. his guard. Yeah, it, it was really impressive. I I have to give credit to him. I don't think at this point in the fight. Uno is particularly winning the fight, but he's really impressing me with with just his ability to kind of survive and get out of these positions, which yeah. aren't very easy to get out of. Yeah, unfortunately, it was all defense. He didn't, of course, he didn't have you can't much score. Offense. Yeah, 
No, I, I thought this was another solid round for BJ, too. Uh, both striping and grappling uh, on the whole. Yeah, this is his best striking round. Yes. So at this point now, because I ended up giving this another 10-8, all three of the rounds that I gave to BJ, I gave 10-8s. And the other two for Uno, I only gave 10-9s. So my score is 48-44. to 44. We have identical scores here. Yeah. Yeah, I gave 10-8 for round five. So 48-44 BJ Penn. Which, you know, one would think implies that this is a very clear BJ Penn victory, right? You would think. Well, folks who may not remember this, Uno, even though he was competitive and didn't win in, in my eyes, he was able to salvage a split draw because Doug Crosby, who who saw it right for BJ, 48-46, ended up giving, he must have given BJ one 10-8 round in there. But, but Molinax gave Uno three rounds to two, so 48-47, and Wright had it as a draw. So that meant that Mr. Wright saw at least one 10-10 round. I don't know what these guys are watching. Uh, Mullinex, I I don't even know that name. And Wright, I don't know that name. Maybe it's for good reason because these people can't score a fight to save their life. How do you get a draw and how do you have a Uno win in this fight? Yeah, Uno didn't win this fight. There's There's no case for three rounds for him. I don't see it. Just awful. And I just don't, I can't believe that they actually gave a 10-10. Like, I'm, I'm more that... just, I'm more just, it's it's almost like one of those, you know, Baxter. I'm not even mad. It's amazing that you ate the whole wheel of cheese. <laughs> you gave a 10-10 round here? Uh, I don't even know what they're thinking, man. Uh, so, yes, this unfortunately went down as a draw for BJ. And you could tell right after. He was just like, what? And, you know, and he you just know, kind of walked off. I noticed he tries to walk off, but Big John doesn't let him. He just grabs his yeah, arm. Yeah, he's like, no, you got to stand here. We need to raise both your arms. Get back here, BJ. Insanity. Yeah, that, I mean, that that was the one fight here where I just look at it, and I'm like, BJ was absolutely robbed. This was total robbery. It was it was poor. And, and unfortunately, in the aftermath, they didn't even end up running it back, even though it was a good fight. It actually was a good fight. Well, didn't Not they even a barn disband- burner. But it was a good one. They they essentially did disband the, the vision. Yeah. They didn't reschedule the fight. They didn't even do anything else. But then what they ended up having was BJ went on to just go up to welterweight, challenge Matt Hughes, and he won the title. And then, obviously, he won that fight. Contract dispute ends up leaving, and he, he fights all these people. He fights Gomi. We got to see that fight. We got some really good fights out of BJ leaving this, actually. So it was really cool. The aftermath of it, but nonetheless, it was very strange that they just abandoned the entire idea of a lightweight division at this point. Because it's BJ, he'll fight anybody. He don't care. I don't think they knew what they had at that point. This was pre-Ultimate Fighter, so things were still. It seemed like there was a little bit of experimentation in trying to figure out what worked, what didn't. They hadn't gotten mm-hmm. there yet. But you know, that's that's about all I have to say about Uno versus Penn. All right, Scott. Before we move on to our final fight of past judgment, uh, how'd you come across BJ Penn? Yeah, for me, actually, BJ was the headliner of the very first live pay-per-view that I watched, UFC 84, in May 2008. So this was just a few weeks after I graduated college. Uh, My New Year's resolution that year was to become a UFC fan. As stupid as that sound, it actually worked, as now I do a podcast 12 years later. (laughs) Yeah, it's the best sport. It, It is, it is. Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. <laughs> but, but so I went to a friend's house after work to watch. And the first fight that I watched from that night was Leota Machida against Tito Ortiz. And for me, even though everyone around me was like, oh, I really want Tito to win. I hate Leoto. I loved watching Leota's karate style. Uh, so I instantly became a fan of him. But back to BJ. 
he was defending the lightweight title that night against Sean Shirk. Shirk had just been stripped of the belt a year later. Uh, he popped for Nandrolone, steroid. BJ had just savaged Joe Stevenson to win that belt four months earlier. That was that was the fight where he licked the blood off the gloves. Mm-hmm. So this fight was peak BJ for me. If you ask me what was the, the absolute pinnacle of BJ's career as far as his skill, it was this fight. Because he just exploded on Shirk at the end of round three and it got that TKO. That was such a brutal knee. He followed up with those punches and Shirk just he couldn't even continue. The round was over and he just couldn't get up. BJ even he walked off and he's like he said he was done. He's done, and then he was. For that to be my introduction to both live MMA and BJ Penn, it was completely memorable for me. Yeah, and, and it was pretty sick at the end. That's when he said, you know, who wants to see me destroy uh, GSP? And well, we all know how that happened. But Well, yeah, it didn't work out. But the reason he wanted to fight GSP was because of our next fight, the final past judgment that we're doing of the night, the first BJ Penn versus George St. Pierre fight. This was at UFC 58 about two years earlier on March 4th, 2006 at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. So by this point, we're post-tough. We have the UFC is now taking off in popularity. It's out of the dark ages, and it's back in Vegas. So by now, things are just in a completely different zone from what we were watching with these first few fights. The main event for this one, it was not BJ and GSP, if you can imagine. It was headlined by Rich Franklin, the middleweight champion, against David Loazzo, the crow. But BJ, he had won... As we mentioned, the the welterweight title against Hughes a few years earlier. Uh, he had a sabbatical away from the UFC, came back. This was actually his first fight back with the UFC. St. Pierre had just won four straight after Matt Hughes had submitted him in his first title challenge, which was probably too early uh, in GSP's career. I think he was rushed into that one, no pun intended. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't come. He came up short that one. But as we saw. He only lost one more time in his whole career. <laughs> I know I've said this before, but if you haven't watched early GSP fights, you know you got to do yourself a favor and watch those. He was an absolute killer. He was totally he had that killer instinct that you just didn't see as much when the stakes got higher. Um, he was he was absolutely violent, and it was really that was that was a really impressive GSP. Mm-hmm. But this was this was just a little bit after that. Like we, we were seeing him coming off of finishes of of Shirk and Frank Trigg coming to this one and it was a welterweight title eliminator so the winner got to have a rematch against matt hughes for the title judges were nelson doc hamilton cecil peoples and marcos rosales once again we still have no individual round scores so we're just talking about final scores here um and the referee was herb dean so dan set me up what's going on round one round one bj comes out like crazy man Oh yeah, he was he was pressing. Very aggressive, and he was landing some good combos. He ends up landing a solid left right to GSP's eye, which set the tone for this entire round. Yeah, that eye got busted quick. That was inside the first minute. And it's a clean punch, and but Joe Rogan is is convinced it's an eye poke. I I don't know why. I mean, this is even in the slow motion replay, you see it's a clear punch to the eye. I don't know. I mean, you know, just sees what he sees. <laughs> But also, his nose got busted up in this in this round, too. Yeah, he hit him with a, a big uppercut that just grazed his nose, but I guess it did a lot of damage. Uh, just grazed yeah, it was it. leaking. It was yeah, leaking was, hardcore. GSP he took some damage here. He looked rough. Yeah. But it, to, to his credit, though, GSP stayed composed, and he's mixing in these kicks and punches pretty well. Yeah, but he was still eating some shots. Of course, of course. Uh, BJ had a really solid round here. Yeah. 
I mean, GSP, GSP is working. He's, you know what he did to try and kind of take back momentum is he was looking a lot for the clinch and trying to get those takedowns that weren't coming. But at least he was, even though the striking was working for him, he tried to take away that advantage that BJ was showing early on. So it was interesting to see GSP adjust on the fly even before the first round ended and he got to talk to his corner. Yeah, GSP's always been a smart fighter. Brilliant. But, you know, he probably warred BJ out because BJ had to defend those takedowns. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and I would have to think, he, he wasn't working with Faraz Sahabi at this point, but it seems like he and his team had done their homework enough to know that, yeah, you can you can kind of lean on BJ, and he often fades in fights. We didn't see him fight, fade, actually, against Uno, but often is the case where he, he was fading. Yeah, he was younger, better shape. And And we should also point out that in those first two fights we were talking about, BJ looked fit. He really did look like a, a total lightweight fighter, whereas here, you know, he was a little softer. He, he was coming down from that 191 pounds he was against Machida in the previous fight. So uh, how'd you score that round? Uh, I went easy 10-8 round for BJ here. All right. Yeah, I had it the same. I don't think you can go any other way with our system. This is, yeah, this is textbook. Clear, decisive round. To his credit, GSP was competitive. It wasn't, it wasn't like he was just getting pummeled on, but those... Those strikes damaged him so much that you absolutely have to give 10-8 to BJ. Yeah, and it was immediate damage. It was. Uh, <laughs> no one would mistake that. And, and GSP, he was like he had a, he had to take a step back and say, "Well, well, all right, let's you know figure this out." Yep. And to his credit, it worked because in round two he comes out much more aggressive. GSP came out very aggressive, landed some strikes, but you know Penn was landing some of his own too. Yes. But GSP gets the clinch, and he actually lands the takedown. Yeah, he got that double right in the first minute. He wasn't able to pass, though. He was throwing some body-body head, you know, pitter-patter shots. Mm-hmm. But he, but you know what? He does stand up, and once he stands up, right. he then comes back down and lands some really good shots. So he was able to right. kind of yeah. adjust from what's not working, and he made it work for him. Yeah, he went with, like, a diving right hand, you know, landed pretty solid. It really did, yeah. you got to give him that. BJ does end up getting back up. About three minutes left in the fight. He was, he was down for, you know, a little more than a minute. Right, yeah. And I, I thought Penn, once they got back to the feet, I thought he was landing more and winning the exchanges. See, I disagreed. I, thought, I, I saw it more as GSP was working the jab pretty well. See, I felt GSP was coming up short on a lot of his strikes and then uh, resorted to clinching against the cage to uh, lean on uh, Penn and kind of wear him out. No, I, I for me, GSP with, with his jab and especially, you know, some of the kicks he was mixing in here, he had that good left high kick that kind of got through, you know, it looked like yeah, it looked like BJ had blocked it a little bit, but it definitely did land. And Joe pointed it out as well. Uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah, that the, the head kick you're talking about? Yes. That's a solid shot. It was, it was. And for me, GSP had the two most memorable shots of that fight. It was... Back and forth, you know, it was there was there was some offense here and there from both of them, but I, especially, well, you don't really count this takedown as much at the end of the round from GSP, but it, but at least you were showing he was he was getting out there and he was looking for grappling uh, and making things work, but more of the striking, I ended up giving a ten nine to Saint Pierre. I ended up giving a ten nine to GSP, but I did toy with a ten ten at some point. I felt BJ outstruck him fight metric doesn't agree with me <laughs> but I, I felt a lot of, maybe i just wasn't seeing it right but I, I didn't look like gsp was landing i thought he was coming up short a lot but i thought that last second takedown at the end prevented the 10 10 
and I had to give it to GSP. See, I don't score the takedown as much. It happened, but but I don't score it as much because it just went into guard. It really wasn't the most effective. It wasn't a very hard takedown. For me, it, it just came down to the strikes were more effective. It was slight, but it, it was there for me. So that's why I went to 10-9. You ended up on the same plane I did, even if you were thinking going one other way. So. Right. Typically, typically a takedown doesn't really score that many points. Not in, It shouldn't in our system because it's not very effective. Right. A good hard takedown, sure. I felt it was something to pick a winner for for the round. Oh, yeah, for me, I didn't need that. But nonetheless, we still ended up on the same plan, like I said. But so we're, we're talking about 1918 BJ at this point right? on each of our cards. But round three, this is the deciding round here. It was just a three-round fight. Mm-hmm. So GSP, you know, again, the aggressor, clinching at the cage, mixing in punches. He gets that slam takedown into guard. That was a big slam. It was. That was That's a takedown where you'd say, okay, that really did something. That was effective. What was not as effective was his work on the ground. And, and I don't think he was able to do as much to, to really score when he was down there before BJ was able to get back up. Yeah, he wasn't able to pass and he barely threw any strikes. Other than it being a big you know, impact slam, not much. Yeah, absolutely. But B, and BJ uh, almost completes a takedown with about two minutes to go. He just can't get that one either. So you, know, you, you see him looking for takedowns too. It's actually it's kind of shocking too that he was able to get it that far of a takedown. He was like four fifths of the way to a takedown. He was, but yeah, you couldn't complete it, and unfortunately, right. that that's ain't worth nothing. <laughs> this is the round where he kind of really mostly just clinched for a while. Okay, I felt. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There was a lot of clinching. Yeah, BJ was definitely aggressive after after they broke up. What was it, about ninety seconds to go, I think, or about a minute to go. GSP counters with another takedown. Yeah, but BJ, I thought BJ won, uh, or at least negated this takedown with his offense off his back. Yes, yeah, he's fishing for the Zoma Plata, the Gogo Plata. He couldn't quite get either one of them, but he was looking uh, for them. He was attacking. That was that was uh, it was it was effective offense. I thought. Yeah, I thought the Gogo Plata, and he was landing some strikes too. Yes, pretty strong strikes it seemed. But you know, it's also GSP was kind of landing some good strikes too. He was uh, fighting at it at once, like like maybe like the nine second mark. He, once uh, he broke free of the go go. Yeah, this was a real tense finish to the fight too. It was a cool. It was a good fight. Yeah, I would have liked to see two more rounds. It would have been nice. So how did you end up seeing that one though? What what'd you give? Uh, I I wouldn't mind if anyone went ten ten in this round. Okay. Um, but I went ten nine GSP. Okay. Yeah, I I also went ten nine in GSP, and I this is a round where I can understand the argument more for the ten ten. But I did go 10-9 GSP. I thought I thought he just did a little bit more in terms of uh, getting you know the the nice slam takedown. He was I thought his his strikes were working for him. I didn't think the submissions that BJ was looking for were enough to change the score. No, I just I just felt that it negated that final exchange uh, of GSP offense. I guess I can understand. Yeah, exactly. I had a 28-28 for a draw. As did I. So Doc Hamilton and Marcos Rosales at the time they actually gave GSP twenty nine twenty eight. So they they gave it two rounds to one, just like we did um, for GSP. Whereas Cecil Peoples had twenty nine twenty eight for Penn. So he gave round two or three to BJ. You never know what these judges see. <laughs> even even when you think that that's what the one they they saw, maybe it was the other one. Who knows? Especially from Cecil Peoples. Oh my goodness! Let's not get started. And that's all we have for this week's Couchside Judges. Next week's show should be similar with several installments of Past Judgment. Maybe we'll do another theme built around a fighter, or maybe we'll take it in a different direction. If you have any suggestions, make sure to hit us up on social media. 
You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Dan Urban MMA. And you can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and be notified when episodes drop. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay healthy and safe. Take care, everybody. Thank you.